If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. All right, so my next guest has been a frequent guest. He always brings so much value. He is currently an Ironman and has helped many, many other people run Ironman. And as he says, he's sometimes people's legs, sometimes people's eyes. He's going to be doing a half marathon with a blind person, which is pretty cool in the upcoming um, few weeks. He's also an individual that is very, very intentional around his conversation with himself. He'll talk a bit about programming and what that's like. The same way that you hear a song and you can rattle off the lyrics, we have internal programming that keeps us stuck. And so we'll talk a little bit about this and the importance of community. So let's get to my interview with Dan Grieve, my good friend. Welcome to a very special episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life, where we help you become financially free and build a big, strong mindset behind that, or maybe one in front of the other. And speaking of strong mindsets, we are going to be talking to an Iron Man, to a guy who I've known for a long time, who's changed a lot of lives. You've probably seen him on the news somewhere, running, helping somebody else. Welcome to the call, Dan. Uh, thanks for having me, Rock. So let's dig into um, where you're at right now. Uh, You're in your office, you're on a real estate team. Tell me a little bit what's going on in 2022 and then we're gonna go backwards. Yeah, well, I mean, 2022, I'll be, this will be my 48th year uh, on this planet. I'm in a new season, you know, I've traveled through many seasons in my life. Uh, I'm in a new season now where I've actually, gone back to my first love. And I think that's what happens sometimes in growth and maturity, right? So you have these ideas of where you want to be, and then you shoot for them. And then you develop some maturity in thinking and maturity and growth. And you realize like, I didn't really want that car. That was someone else's dream. I didn't want that thing. That was, that was an expression of success that not really is important to me. And what's happened is I've actually shifted my goal down um, I'm still in that fulfillment world, but I'm also really profitable because I have clarity. And that's like the greatest thing that's happening in this season. So let's talk about clarity for a second, because most people never get clear on what they want and they're trying all kinds of things. And I have a quote that says that when you're searching, you're suffering. You're searching mm. for a business. You're not sure. There's uncertainty. There's suffering. You're searching for a spouse. You're alone. You're not in a relationship. There's suffering. You're in a relationship and you're not happy and you're searching, you're suffering. So what are you clear about today? Well, I love that quote. I'd like to pick it apart another time. Uh, Next episode, we'll do that. (laughs) Um, But clarity right now is, um, for me, it is, I'm most clear about what the future should look like and what I want my future to look like. you know, when you're younger, you're really, you don't have enough experience to narrow the gap between your, your dreams and your abilities. So you, sometimes you shoot, like, I'm going to be an astronaut and a professional baseball player. Like my side hustles, professional baseball, my full-time job's astronaut. And then you start realizing like, well, actually I want to be this. I want to be a really great that. Um, I was largely motivated by just the idea, like it started for me at 
I just don't want to be my dad. And those that have heard my story know about, you know, my daddy issues. I just wanted to be the opposite of my dad. So that was real wide, right? Like real wide, I want to be the opposite of my dad. Then it was, I want to be my family's first millionaire. And then it was like, well, why do you want to be your family's first millionaire? Well, because I want to change my family tree. Oh, so it was never about the money. There was a purpose. Okay, so great. Got that. I want to own a successful business. Well, why? Well, initially it was because that's what successful people did. They had a successful business or what appeared to be a successful business. Then we redefined what a successful business looks like. A successful business to me is a place where you go, where you love where you're going, you love who you work with, you love what you do, and you love who you do it with and the time you're there. Well, some people call that a successful business and other people call that retirement. See, the older you get, you start realizing that you could have had that, that thing that you call retirement at an earlier age because that gap starts narrowing. And the only time I think you get that a gap, you get to narrow that gap is through the experience of owning the business or going through the journey. Clarity is, for me has largely been developed in the valley seasons of my life, never on the top of the mountains. Because the valley season is when, you know, in a religious world, God draws closest to you. And in the valley season is when a lot of the, the noise gets filtered. And now it's just you. Um, if you're accountable and you live in a valley, you get stronger. If you're not accountable and you live in a valley, then you typically get weaker. And it's because of how you start the journey or how you end up in that journey. For me, I've been pretty accountable to my life. So those, those valley seasons, as difficult as they've been, and oftentimes I would, I would describe them like you have as seasons of suffering were actually the best suffering I could ever have because it's what draw, draw it about the clarity around what I truly wanted and when we burned away all the fluff. Yeah, well, there's a lot to unpack there. And maybe we can unpack it by talking about a couple of seasons in your life, Dan, is, you know, you had a difficult childhood and then you went in to become a police officer. Then you became an entrepreneur. Then you decided to become an Ironman and shift your total relationship with your body because you started to believe that you could have it all. And now you're in a season where you give back to a lot of people. And we talked just a little bit before the show that you got some disruption in your own business. So maybe walk us a little bit through those seasons for those people that haven't heard some of those stories um, and let them have some insights as to a lot of people think that success is difficult. And in some cases it is because it comes with responsibility, but a life of not having success is also difficult because you're going to work hard and you're not going to have a lot of choices. So maybe walk us through a little bit of those stages of your life. Yeah, well, love that. Uh, life in general is difficult. I think that that's the reality of what we need to like base it with, right? Yeah. Life is difficult. It really wasn't meant to be easy. Love is difficult because on the other side of the struggle of difficult is the beauty of love. See, it is a prize to be won. So I, I, I recognize that life is difficult and, uh, and I will start, I'll start back at the beginning. So I am, um, you know, I'm the product of a single mom. I, uh, I was, uh, went to go on a vacation with my dad, uh, two weeks vacation with my, my estranged father. And that two weeks turned into two months, which turned into two years. Um, in the course of those two years, my dad abused me physically, verbally, um, 
you know, injured me pretty bad, uh, punched me in the face, you know, in, injured my eye sockets, my ribs, my arms, broke a lot of bones. And then I finally went back to live with my mom. And after going from living with my dad to living with my mom, I was introduced to a stepfather who my mom had gotten remarried. My brothers were calling him dad. In that season of my life, I felt mostly very alone. Um, I felt like I was alone and unlovable when I was with my dad. And then I went to go live with a with a traditional family with a mom and a dad, stepfather and a mom and two brothers. And I felt completely alone. I wasn't like any of them. Um, I felt very unlovable. I felt very isolated, even though I was constantly surrounded by people. And, uh, and I took on a persona of being a tough guy, fighter. Uh, it worked for me. It allowed me to kind of navigate through junior high school, high school, um, but it actually turned into this big problem for me. And that's one of my key sayings I share a lot when I talk to people. It says, the walls that you build to protect you will one day be the walls that imprison you. And for me, I built these walls to protect me, which was this like tough exterior, this big fighter, this, this toughness. Um, and then I realized that no one can ever love me because if they truly knew me, they wouldn't want me. And then like another crazy thing happened to me is uh, a lot of crazy things happened to me, Rock. I'm a made for TV movie, but I'm just gonna give you the highlights today. Um, my mom couldn't afford to, to send me to traditional counseling. And my stepfather wasn't really willing to pay for it because him and I didn't get along very well. And so we went to go see the nuns. I don't know if I'm, you've ever heard this story before. So we went to go see the nuns uh, at our church and that was my counseling. And it's really important whenever you have a difficult conversation with someone, that you always ask them when the conversation's over, what are you taking away from this conversation? What are you hearing? Tell me how you feel. Because you may have the, the most purest intention in what you say, and they could just hear it totally different. Um, in in neuro-linguistic programming, they have a presupposition that says, the meaning of your communication is the feedback you get. And so for me, like I didn't learn that till years later, I'm sitting there with a nun and I'm trying to like confess my sins and like talk about what's wrong with me. And, and really I wanted to be understood. And I'm standing in front of God's people, like literally like these people talk to God full time. This is, these are good people. And a nun said to me, hurt people, hurt people. And I left there completely broken, completely disabled. Cause what I heard was that my dad was a monster and that therefore I was going to be a monster. And as a result of me being a monster, I was going to hurt anyone that loved me. So don't get married and don't have children. So now here I am from 15 to 19 with anybody who tries to get close to me. You know, if it's surface level relationship, I'm good. As soon as the woman, a young lady tells me she loves me, I have to hit the eject button because God himself told me that I was gonna punch her in the face like my dad did my mom, or that I would destroy our children. So I was always so hesitant, but I wanted love, but I couldn't have it because I was a monster. Crazy story here, Rock. So how, um, do, you direct that, how do you direct that energy? Like that's an energy that a lot of people are afraid of, the anger within them. Yeah, well, it's great. I didn't tell you this. Uh, it's really great that you asked that. And I didn't tell you this. Um, I actually wrote a poem about that whole monster thing. Mm -hmm. This is the first time I'm publicly gonna share it with anybody. Like yeah. only for you, Rock, right? Yeah. So I lived until I was 19 years old 
with this concept of being a monster. Like I'm a monster. I'm very sensitive. My favorite movies, The Sound of Music. Everybody knows that. I cry every time Jenny leaves and comes back in Forrest Gump. But I always, always did that in hiding. I never let anybody know so they wouldn't think I was weak. And, um, and I was so misunderstood. I wanted to love, but I had to fight and I had to keep people away from me. And it wasn't until I had a religious conversion at 19 that, that I really understood that I had value, that I did matter, and that I could give that to other people. But I still, that still hung with me. I wrote this poem on December 13th of 2021. I'm not a poem writer, first poem I ever wrote. And it's specifically around the concept of being a monster. In the concept of my dad was a monster, a bad person, I'm a monster, and how do I use that monster? So you mind if I share it? Go ahead. All right, it says this. Now understand, this is me talking to myself, so don't misconstrue anything, and I'll explain anything you need. And this is for your audience, Rock. I know you know me. It says, I am a monster. I could hurt you. I would hurt you. I should hurt you. I don't because you do not know that I'm a monster. Do you think that I'm weak because I am nice? I choose to be nice because you could not deal with the monster. I wake up in the morning and the monster is here and I hold him back and allow people to take shots at me because they have no idea who they're taking shots at and what the results of those shots could be. It's compassion, not weakness. I know I'm a monster. I know I'll survive the lowest lows and the worst worst because I've experienced the lowest lows and the worst worst. I am a monster. I, I, was made by a, I, was, I was made a monster by a monster. I don't want you to be a monster just like me. So I do my best to never let you see the monster that is in me. And so I have a question for you that piggybacks on that, Dan. Um, you know, I look at my life from 59 today and I see that a little bit like you, I, I didn't feel like I belonged growing up. And I think each person as I do this has a part of them that feels nobody can understand sure and so they tend to hide it you know whatever it is an addiction or something that they do that they think is unkind or breaks a rule based on the religious upbringing whatever um and it has to do with not being enough of course and then they go throughout their life and those walls you talked about um tend to keep people out i've noticed a pattern i have in my life is for whatever reason I often show up making people feel less than because I'm so courageous and bold and, and willing to fight for things. And I also have found myself then leaving a business or an environment and then, and then somehow not belonging still to this day. And then I look at your life and I say, you know, are there any similarities? You know, you, you have um, like, I have, business challenges that I'm surprised I have at this stage. And I find other people go, yeah, but Rock, you're still too intense. You still demand too much. And so does that show up in your life where sometimes you still feel like you don't belong? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Always. And just understand, like, that's the way it's supposed to be. Um, no one who's affected real change has felt like they belonged. Um, I didn't belong in my family. Um, I live a completely different life. And I've got to, I'm going to dovetail this into that monster thing because like, understand, like I recognize that I have all the negative characteristics of a monster or what a bad monster could look like, but all of that fuel could be channeled in another positive way. And I've done that. See, 
I'm a champion for those that can't defend themselves. I'm a, I'm a person who speaks out for those that can't speak. I'm the hands of the blind. I'm, I'm the legs of the, of the people that don't have legs now. And like, that's just energy to do it. And a lot of times the, what I'm doing is misunderstood because they think that the things I do are about me and they don't realize that what I'm doing is I'm giving away the worst part of me. I'm using the monster to benefit the world. I'm not using the monster to go take advantage of it. And some people just don't believe that, that anybody would be willing to love as much as I'm willing to love or give as much as I'm willing to give because they don't know my story. And usually I find that it's an inadequacy in them that my energy, that my charisma uh, makes them feel uncomfortable. And then sometimes I recognize that I, I need to just slow down and give them an opportunity to know me. And then I, and then I can turn it back up. Uh, a lot of successful people feel ostracized or they feel different. And here's what I like to tell people when I hear that. God has uniquely put something in Rock Thomas on purpose to do something. But here's the problem, Rock. He did not put that in your wife. So she'll never understand that calling that God gave you, that, that desire to wake up at four o'clock in the morning to hammer away at your craft or to go work out or to go run in the rain or do what everybody else says is crazy. And oftentimes, if you're really listening to God's calling, he's not telling you to go with everybody else. He's telling you to go and you'll either find everyone else along the road or you'll link up for a period of time with people or something will happen. But very rarely did God send anyone out on a mission in a group because he doesn't put it in like 10 people. I want you to go use, like God didn't tell me, hey, Dan, I want you to go use Rock's history to go change the world. He said, Dan, I want you to use your history to go change the world. I want you to go use the best of you in this way. And, and for me, I recognize that sometimes people don't understand the passion in which I do that for, but I'm also okay with that because I'm not, um, I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for me and for all of those that are counting on me to do it. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks for sharing that, Dan. I want the listeners to know that you and I have known each other for close to eight years now, and uh, we've watched each other go through different seasons and different things. I had that situation up in Canada with a partner in, in uh, Keller Williams. Eventually, that investment ended up going bankrupt, but he was trying to woo you as one of his spokespeople, and there's all kinds of interesting stuff that happened around that. Um, I want to also let the, the listeners know that, you know, when I met you, you were 310 to 320 pounds. Now you're closer to 200 and you decided to shift the belief and I'll, I'll, I'll try to quote you, but it's kind of like before that you were running a program of, you know, I'm going to be a great father, but there's not enough for me. But then you saw witness or evidence that you can have it all and you shifted gears, took care of your body. And now you're a more whole life millionaire, uh, street smart millionaire. Now, recently, um, I had uh, one of my goals when I bought this property here was to have uh, to give to orphan children. Uh, I'm not the type of person that likes to write a check, let's say to some random charity like cancer or what have you, because I don't know where the money goes. So we had 70 orphan children come here, we cooked dinner for them, we let them play in the pool and the property. Um, and we gave them individualized gifts. 
And I got a message from my children saying something along these lines. Oh, you've got time and energy for other people. What about us? And it made me think of you because you've chosen to put a lot of energy into helping other people run Ironman with you. And I wanted to just ask you as a brother, what has been the conversation for your children? They're like, well, dad, you're just doing all this stuff for these other people. You run these businesses, you're with these, these other people. I know that they're related, but have your children come to you and expressed any of that? How have you managed that? Yeah, well, thank you. Great question. So like to shed light on what I do is I help, uh, we, you know, one of Rock's famous quotes is success is not about what you do. It's about who you become in the process, right? Well, to become an Ironman, you have to become a new person. And an Ironman is a 140.6 mile race that you have 17 hours to complete. It's swim, a bike, and a run. And I wanted to give that gift to other people with disabilities. So like literally Sunday, I'm running a half marathon with a blind person. And David Berlant, who's joining M1, my son-in-law, he's, uh, he's doing it with one of my other athletes that has autism. She'll be running her third half marathon. She's doing it with him. We're building both of them up to be Ironman. And so uh, I do have more than two kids. I actually have a third. I have an adopted daughter from Venezuela. I adopted her at 21. She married David. Uh, my children and I's conversations are different because they're also different ages and different relationships. Um, I'm constantly checking in with them and I'm asking them, you know, do you know what I'm doing? Am I, are you feeling ostracized? What, what I did a little bit different than you did is I would invite my kids and say, hey, we're going to go host these orphan children together. I need you to help me do this. Not I did it. So, so whenever I'm doing something, I'm including my family in it. So it's not, it's not dad's doing it. It's we're doing it. So like with Chris Nickage, the boy with Down syndrome that we, I got all my fame from, he was sitting at our dinner table. He was, you know, calling my kids, his brothers. So they had their own personal connection to the cause. So it's never a me versus them or because it's their part of it. And in real estate, we always say this, you know, when you have to write like the marketing description, I always have the client, the seller write it. Cause I say, you know, it's always hard to fire the marketing department if the client's part of the marketing department, right? Like they can't fire you if they're, they wrote it. So like same is true with my kids. Like they can't be pissed off about the fact that I'm spending too much time doing their mission. You know, like we have our charity, One More Kid, that's born out of one of our children who passed away. We had a, a child that died from a late-term miscarriage. And if he would have lived, his name was Zach, we would have had one more kid. So we built on one more kid. So when we do one more kid stuff, my kids are honoring their brother and I'm honoring a child and my wife is honoring her son. And so we're doing all of this for that. And so, so it's a little bit more attached than yours are. Plus my kids are younger. I have a 19 year old and a 17 year old. They still yeah. live at home. You know, I think they probably want, want to get away from dad and all of his coaching. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and, you know, we've always done this. And this is something I want to tell all men, no matter how old you are and how old your kids are, there is one special day every month. It's the day of your children's birth. So um, I have one child that was born on the 4th and one that was born on the, me, hold on, September 25th. Uh, April 25th and September 10th. So the 10th and the 25th, my anniversary is on, my wife's birthday is on the 4th. So anyway, those two days are the most special days because every month on their birthday, I would say like, hey, it's me and you, what do you want to go do? 
And when I was 300 pounds and my kids were like five years old, they would say McDonald's and my big 300 pound ass would have to squeeze through these little like tunnels that weren't big enough. And I would do that with my kids. And so on their birthday, they always got their, I always filled them up and they always had that one day. They always knew that at least that one day was about them. So it was a little bit different and uh, yeah. I was able to structure it differently, but I could see that happening. And yeah. when it does, I always remind them why we're doing it. I always yeah. remind them. I mean, COVID has separated us as far as geographically made it more difficult, yeah. but um I never thought I'd get to a stage in my life where that was the response. And you mentioned this before, the meta program of the communication you give is this response you get. So I want to ask you a question. Does that operate for ourselves? The communication I give myself creates a response in me. And I know you're really good at poems and reciting and quotes. And those are all communications that you're spoon feeding yourself to create a desire, a motivation, an intention, a direction. A Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think it's important that we, you know, I, I'm big into what you would just call programming, right? So yeah. programming is this concept of like, like I, I, I'm, I'm getting old. So like your audience is getting young. So I don't understand their music. They don't understand my music. But like, if I was to say, I like big butts and butts the end. Oh, I don't even know. I'm too I old. I cannot lie. Okay. Right? I, I like big butts. I cannot lie. It's an old song. Or there she was just walking down the street doing what? I'm so bad with you. I'm a yeah, bad artist. All that right? is is a programming. Right. It's a programming. It's something you heard over and over and over again. And somehow it kind of got in there, right? Right. Well, like when you're a child, your parents program you. And then when you become kind of like middle school, high school, your, your environment programs you. And then you get a little bit older. And you've got like almost like this locked in programming where it's just now you're just responding. Deepak Chopra says you become this bundle of nerves who just responds to stimulus. And it's all based on previous programming. Well, for me, my programming was largely that I wouldn't amount to much, that I couldn't do much, that I was worthless, useless and not lovable. And um, and that's the way I truly felt. Well, how do I challenge that? Well, it was by changing the, the record up here. And saying, you know, memorizing speeches and poems and Bible verses and and getting deep into the into to understanding. So, like me, I'm master certified in neuro linguistic programming for therapy. So I went and learned how to do therapy neuro linguistically on others, and I've never practiced. I did it for me. I did. I went and learned it and learned the presupposition of neuro linguistic programming for me. I learned how to reframe you know, and do therapy on others, but for me, and then I view the world through the 11 presuppositions of neuro-linguistic programming. I view the world through, um, through the, the words of the Bible. I view the words world through future experiences and what a, a really good God thinks of me, not what my dad thought of me. And Les Brown says, someone else's opinion of you does not have to be your reality. And I remember that, and I'm conscious of that. And I'm conscious of when I'm circling back. And listen, guys, I'm just a real estate agent. Like, I'm not, I don't own like IBM or some big thing. I'm just here selling real estate. You know, I play it down. I'm just selling real estate, you know, making seven figures a year selling real estate. But I'm really doing good stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm doing things at levels of fulfillment that billionaires are doing. Because I found what really feeds me. And then I just do more of that. 
and, and the distance between who I was and the mistakes I made, because listen, I'm no choir boy, I don't get it right all the time. The difference between that person I was and who I am today, or is a compounding of just simple daily right choices. Just like the next right thing, the next right thing, the next right thing. And the difference between me and my brothers is astronomical. It's so different. The difference between the DNA of Dan Grebe and the person of Dan Grebe standing in front of you today is a thousand right things from where I was, but a compounding of just one. Just do the next right thing. Just be honest now. Sharpen your character. I'm trying to think of how I said this. Oh, today, this this morning, my son made a mistake. And we told him to go to the doctor. He's 19. Like, go to urgent care. So we went to urgent care, which was an emergency room. So we went to the emergency room. They charged us $15,000 for this visit. Our insurance paid the bunch of it. It's literally right here. I won't show it to you. But anyway, my copay is 50 bucks. Well, my copay ended up being $1,150. So I like let the bill sit on my desk. And I'm like, I know how this works. I could just let it sit. It's in my son's name anyway. Let it sit a while. And then I'll call him up and say, I'll give you $800. And that'll be the end of it. I'll save 300. But then I looked at the bill today and I said, am I sharpening my character or am I weakening my character by doing this? And I'm like, I'm weakening my character. I'm going to call, I am not going to pay for a bill that, yeah, my son made a mistake, but he, like, he did it. And if I negotiate this and make them, like, put them in collections and then, and then take that, negotiate this down $300, who am I going to become? Well, the answer is I'm going to become lesser of a person. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to pay it. So I just paid it and moved on. You know what? I'm a better human being for it. What is that? That is just one simple right decision compounded over time. And that's the difference between the Dan Grebe you see today and the Dan Grebe you saw 10 years ago. The trajectory yeah. of trouble, alcoholism, divorce, bad things happening, just compounding of bad things. And then the other side of happily married, 25 years with the same person, relationship with my kids, doing all the right things, you know, taking care of others, you know, doing good work, being on the board of directors with people I never thought I could be on and them like listening to me. Um, it's just, they're just seeing my character. And, and an MBA doesn't mean a character. Um, being a federal judge does, is not an indication of character. A title is not an indication of character. Money is not an indication of character. Stuff's not an indication of character. Right decisions compounded over time is an indication of character and that's who i want to be so i focus on that yeah so again for those of you listening dan and i go way back and we could talk for hours i love to hear dan he's one of my mentors and and i'm one of his mentors we're we're brothers from another mother um we can reach out to each other at the drop of a, a hat uh, and i know dan will pick up the phone and make something happen for me and vice versa so i sincerely wish that those of you listening have somebody like that in your life. Um, Dan, you speak, you train, you coach, you run an organization with the spirit of your heart to make a difference. How can people follow you, learn from you, hear you, uh, etc.? Yeah, well, um, you know, you're going to see a lot more of me now because my, my son-in-law 
son slash son-in-law, whatever you want to call him, um, he's joined M1. So like he, where he goes, he I go. Yeah, he's signing up. So uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna get him started. I, I was gonna talk to you about that soon. Anyway, he's made the commitment. He wants to join this. He was offered entry into another program you may know very familiar, and the better product is here. The community mm. is here. I mean, that's that's, that's it. So he made the decision. Glad to hear that. Yeah, so he's coming over. So you're going to see a lot more of me here, but um, you can reach out to me on Instagram and I'm different than others. If you reach out to me, I'll actually reach back out to you. I'll talk to you. Um, I believe in M1. I believe in Rock. I believe in the benefits uh, of community. And if I'm afforded the opportunity to, to do something good, I'm going to take that opportunity because that is an indication of who I am. Um, I do not think that speaking and giving back should ever feel like you're just paying the toll on your way to fortune. I think that it's actually should feel very freeing and it's a requirement of a life fully lived. And the way I describe it is that if you were lost in the middle of the jungle and somehow found your way out, especially if you come from the life I come from, you almost have a responsibility to go back and help everyone else get out too. Now, here's the interesting thing. Every time I go back, I don't get lost. I have a lot of fun. And all of my pain of my youth is healed in the process of helping someone else come out. 47 years old, Rock, you've interviewed me probably 10 times throughout the years. I would tell you that this is the first time you're going to hear me say these words. I've always said almost. And I want you to think about this and like connect the dot here. I've always said if I could go back and replay my life, I would almost choose this. Now at 47 years old, I would say I would absolutely choose it. I would take every valley season, every abuse, every moment I felt misunderstood because of how many people I helped get out with unique talents and skills that I've gained in some very deep, dark valleys. I would choose the valley over the hilltops every day because all of the love and the compassion and the greatness in me were developed in the valley. And that's what allows me to help others is valley, not hilltop. Worst, not bad. I am a, I'm a good man today because I, because I was shaped by a monster. And now I use that same shaping for others in such a positive way that I do not even see the cloudy days when they come because there's so much sunshine in me. It's beautiful. I'm going to paraphrase that for our listeners. The fruit grows in the valley, not on the top of the mountains. And so you grow in the valley. You grow when you're going through hardship. If you're willing to ask yourself good questions and pay attention, you know, I have a, a little affirmation I'm going to give you that's new, Dan. It's yeah. it goes like this. I wish not for the moment to be different, but rather for me to appreciate my contribution to the creation of this moment. And if there's a learning in that for me, for me to become curious and open and committed to growth and then expand my identity so I can be my personal best. Hmm. 
And so much of our inner conversation as I coach people and think of myself is we wish things are different. I wish that person didn't quit. I wish that I had bought some Tesla stock. I wish that I hadn't, you know, been raised that way by somebody else. I wish that I had, you know, opened up a business in that area. And think about all the energy as humans we spend on some level robbing ourselves of the present moment and wishing things were different. I believe we should strike wish from the English vocabulary and replace it with appreciation for the moment and take radical responsibility for my contribution to messing things up, my contribution to the three people that have quit in my company, my contribution to hesitating for a good investment with somebody that um, I trusted and for making that bad investment with somebody that was an underdog that I knew better. I wanted to lift them up, but they weren't willing to lift them up. So instead they pulled me back. And so that's my um, daily diet these days is that I wish not for things to be different, but that mm. I appreciate my contribution to the creation of this moment. What do you think? I love that. It's true. I mean, it all goes back to, you know, I always say, if, if you had a journal in front of you right now and you were to flip to the last page, the first, first half of that journal, sorry, written by your parents, middle section written by you, next section, you don't know what's going to be written, but we know what the end of that journal says. The last day at the end of your life, I already know what's going to say in mine. It simply says this, your story ends well. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not really that concerned any longer and I'm not, I don't find myself in a wishing state anymore because I wouldn't be here. Like this is exactly what needed to happen. Like it's not come, it's not falling apart. It's all finally coming together. You know, I needed that person to break up with me so I could be with this person. I needed those people to leave so I could hire this person that's going to take my company to the next level. You can't get to better till you get to different. I needed all that to occur. And it's because I was trying to control so much and have so much that it had to fall apart for me to re-put it back together correctly. And I, I don't stress that. I think that it's challenging. Um, you've heard me say it a million times. I'll give you this. I know it's probably about time to wrap up. I have these three core principles. They're simple. Um, you, life is 10% about what happens and 90% how you respond. Number two, you are at the place at the time, experiencing what you're supposed to be experiencing, going through what you're supposed to be going through, with whom you're supposed to be going through it with, at the exact time in your life, you're supposed to be going through it as preordained by the God of the universe. This is not accidental. This is all to steer you towards it ending well. It's not coming apart. It's coming together. But in the, in the valley season, all you can see is the mountain ahead. Now ask the question, what is it that I'm supposed to learn, God? Or what are you trying to teach me in this valley? And here's what we know. When you're staring at the mountain in front of you and you're in the valley, it's so difficult. It, it's, it's described as suffering. But Rock, if we turned around and I said, remember that valley, remember that valley, remember that valley? Rock, you are who you are today because of the abuses of being young. Like you actually see that valley, you can clearly see it. It's lower than the valley you're in now. And you can actually say, I'm grateful for it. Yes. It's sucked, it's terrible, it's horrible. But then in this valley, you're stuck and you're like, again? Like I'm 50 freaking seven years old again? Like. I'm, I'm the, I'm this leader. And now like, but then when you look back, you're like the greatest thing happened was a valley. And yeah. then we're back to the same mentality. Like it's just human nature. And the last one is this, it's simple. It says today's the first day of the rest of your life. Yeah. So it's all yeah. ahead of you. So, 100%. so don't, 
you know, if you're still breathing, you still have an opportunity to be somebody new. You still have an opportunity to, to do the, what you want to do and to become who you needed to become. The story is going to end well, um, even if it's just got a couple more days left, because yeah. you can do so much in just a couple of days. You could do so much in a couple of years. You could do so much in a couple of decades. You think that it's all falling apart, but it's just now finally coming together. The world is organizing itself right now to give you exactly what you needed, but not necessarily what you wanted. Yeah. And and that's the way talk, I view life. 100%. And you talked about community. And I think that if you are feeling lonely right now, or you're feeling outside, find a community that can reflect like Dan will or myself or somebody and say, you know what, I see you, I see your potential and remind you because so many people are telling themselves the story of doubt. And so we have to surround ourselves with other people that are going to encourage us and support us. And if you're alone, then you're probably going to talk yourself into a really shitty life. So make sure that you find your tribe, you make that happen, and then you can use the vehicle of real estate like we do or whatever it is to get yourself to win the money game because this this podcast is called Rock Your Money So You Can Rock Your Life. So you might as well win the money game because you're in it and you might as well win the game of life. And you do that by asking great questions and being surrounded by great people. Dan, as always, thank you for sharing some time with us. God bless you, Rock. God bless you to all my new friends. Please reach out to my Instagram or send me an email message, anything. I'd be happy to uh, help you walk through this crazy thing we call life and enjoy it at the end. Always a pleasure. And um, this is uh, a session of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. If you like it, you want to subscribe, please do so. You want to write us a little review so we can get Dan back again, encourage him, give him a shout out, and we'll see you on the next episode. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.